Welcome to the North Texas District Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast from and for those of us serving Jesus with the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God. My friends, it is that time again. I've got the chief in the studio. Welcome, chief. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for the song. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's I'm never letting this die, just so you know. As long as I'm in this chair and you're in yours, you're going to have your song. Hey, thank you. Well, friends, we are right in the middle of a of fall council season, and so I'm making the rounds with the boss. We've got six stops on the tour, uh, but we know, Dr. Clonch, not everybody gets to make it out to these. They right. are in the middle of a work day, and lots of bivocational ministers, sometimes people can't make the drive. So, uh, Dr. Clonch, I want to get into today just the message you've been preaching I want to get this down conversationally so that um, some friends who maybe don't get to hear it can hear it from the horse's mouth or from the chief's mouth. That sounds yeah, I was thinking mouth. yeah, about that. Okay. Uh, maybe <laughs> both here. Maybe both. So, Dr. Clunch, the content that's been on your heart for our ministers lately, you've been preaching this material at our councils. So let's talk about that. Your, your message has been titled, The Plus Ultra God in Your Future. So plus ultra meaning, of course, more beyond. So I want to come back around to that Good. later. Yeah. Let you uh, bring us to tears and close us out with the with the mm-hmm. story genesis of that. But the theme the Lord gave you for your fall council message was this idea of freedom from oppression. How did your burden for that particular subject right now come about? About two and a half months ago, I felt that word come into my spirit as I was getting up one morning. It was kind of a surprise to me. I've been thinking on that term. Thought it would go away, you know, and where does that word come from? And then I began to meditate on it and began to realize, okay, this is something I need to pay attention to. Then through prayer and meditation, the Lord began to take me to the scripture, in particular to Luke 4, chapter 4, where Jesus gives his initial message to the the synagogue in Nazareth. Yes. And he's describing their... What Isaiah had talked about in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, he's describing the state of the captives. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Then Jesus mentions the blind, the Mm -hmm. prisoner, and Luke doesn't record him as saying the brokenhearted, though that's in Isaiah. And then this part really stood out to me, and to release the oppressed and then to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Begin thinking about that, and of course, Isaiah was prophesying about the state of the captivity. Jesus then applies it to a much broader freedom from sin. Yes. And so, um, but that phrase, the oppressed, setting the oppressed free, really gripped my heart. And then I began to feel like, you know, I think this is the message for the fall tour. And Lyndon, let me say this, that in preparing a message for the tour is unique to preparing a message for a church service or a Bible study, because you want some, this is going to be to all six regions of our fellowship, all 29 sections. I just felt the Lord was giving me something that I then, to just be honest with you, kind of began walking through a battle. And I've talked about that a little bit because uh, it was one of the most difficult messages I think I've ever prepared. There were times in which I couldn't even wrap my mind around the, the next thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't want to over-spiritualize this into the negative. Don't want to give the enemy any credit except to say, I think I was having to battle some of the oppression of uh, yes. saying, First of all, is this really the message? Will people receive this? How would I deliver it? So it came together over about a two and a half month period of time. And uh, for me, it was quite a journey. 
Yes. Now we're seeing the altars filled. People are experiencing freedom. So that's kind of how it was birthed in my heart. You know, it really has been getting to talk about this message in the middle of these fall councils right now. It, it is a testimony to, I do believe it was the Lord's word for right now for our North Texas ministers, because like you said, that altar response has been so profound, just extended times in prayer. It's been fantastic just having the opportunity to pray for different ministers. Right. But this is one of those settings where I love the metaphor of who cuts the barber's hair. You know, this is mm. one of the reasons why I feel like you know, fall council, district council, one of the reasons why these times are so incredibly important is because we as pastors get to be with our pastors. You know, you, Pastor Greg, Pastor Kermit, to minister, you said it's different than preparing a message for a congregation. I could absolutely see how it must be because you are preparing something for shepherds. And I think it has been so incredibly poignant to minister to this subject of oppression with shepherds. Yes. I even uh, put in my notes, I'm not sure I've said it exactly, but my approach has just been talking minister to minister. Mm-hmm. Not everybody there is a pastor, uh, minister to minister's wives. And uh, so the subject of oppression, I began to feel like that God was speaking something that is an experience that probably all of us at some point in time have had some form of oppression. I made the statement that the enemy, he is the protagonist. He is the one who is going to push back against the work of the kingdom of God. Did that with Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I preached it, I struggled a little bit because at first you're dealing with, my first point is exposing the oppression of the enemy against you. And that can get a little negative. You're describing symptoms of oppression. But then the second time I preached it, the Lord spoke to me and kind of gave me an insight. He said, look, begin with freedom and preach it from that point of view. I began to have more freedom and liberty in preaching. So I'll explain that perhaps as we're talking today. But I believe that at some level, in some way, we're all going to get pushback from the dark side. And Jesus said, the gates of hell can't prevail. That's the good news. That's right. But here's the point that I felt was very strong. There's a lot of people, ministers we're talking about, and Christian workers, this can be across the board, are dealing with some oppression that they don't even recognize. They're not aware of the fact that there is oppression. It's just um, some of the things that they're feeling, discouragement, obviously, is one. Sometimes self-criticism. My preaching isn't that good. My church will never grow. The glass is always half empty. I tell this, that the enemy knows who to, how to get your goat. <laughs> yes, yeah, that you've been saying <laughs> that, been saying. And, it all, and it's gotten such a reaction. Yeah, and you know the people, somebody criticizes you, criticizes your wife, leaves the church, we're not getting fed. And, of course, I began by talking about the fact that the enemy knows our weaknesses, and he knows how to exploit those weaknesses. It doesn't matter what he uses. It can be an illness, it can be... It can be financial problems. It can be family issues. It becomes a source of oppression. And here's the key thing. It alters our point of view. Yes. It alters our point of view so that we see the problem and we forget the promise. You know, Dr. Clunch, authenticity is it's an important thing. And boy, that's if there's any word of the moment that people desire from their leaders, it's authenticity, authenticity. And I, I get that. I think we overstate. I don't think people think we're as perfect as we think that they think we are, number one. Mm -hmm. But then also, 
a lot of times I feel we can begin to minister from a point of brokenness to the extent where our messages, I too am broken, and it really begins to be a bit focused on us and beginning yes. from the point of freedom, remembering that Jesus came to bring freedom to the captives. I don't think we have to worry about people thinking, oh, well, I guess for you there's no problems, but where you say we can just begin to get beset by something and live with it over a long term. Yeah. Yeah. How is it, Dr. Clonch, that a minister can lose hope for their own deliverance? Well, I think it's in what I just said a while ago. We don't even realize what's happening. Yeah, and I've just, been there. Yeah, we have all been there. I remember one period of time in my ministry, for just a short period of time, I wondered if I wanted to continue preaching. And I couldn't even believe I was thinking that because I, you know, it was, it was a difficult time going through a church situation. Thank the Lord. He came in and brought me freedom and revived me and restored me. And he did that through fasting, prayer, and the word. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm thinking is that is some people don't realize they're being oppressed and the negative viewpoint, this this distortion of the point of view that begins to rob us of our intimacy with God, it can begin to isolate us from other people. We can even begin to feel like I'm not, an, I'm not adequate. My preaching is not any good, as I said earlier. But then the enemy pushes us a little further. He pushes us into some unhealthy coping mechanisms. Yes. Okay. In other words, it can get really bad because we can begin to entertain things in our thought life, even in our actions that we would never condone doing. And yet when you get so down and you don't even have the freshness and you're not praying like you could and the word of the Lord, you're not into the scriptures, all the things we have to do as a disciple to walk in victory begin to slip and slide to the point that there sometimes are destructive things that ministers do just to cope right? because they don't realize that they're being oppressed and their viewpoint is so distorted and so they've almost given up hope even in the ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think that it takes an awakening. And that's what I think this message was given to me by the Lord is to to wake us up to realize, hey, challenge your thinking. And are you moving forward? Are you seeing victories? Are you burdened down with something right now? And so it's just a an exposure. And that's where I think the pushback for me came. The enemy did not want this message to be preached, and Mm -hmm. I know that. And I may not even touch on the thing that would be oppressing somebody, but suddenly the Holy Spirit can begin to speak and say, well, you know what, I didn't even realize that my thinking has been this distorted. And so God wants to correct our thinking so that we can move forward in faith. A few weeks ago, I was at Cedar Hill's main campus at Trinity Church, and Pastor Jim Hennessy preached just a wonderful message from Psalm 73, and he was talking about dealing with doubt, and really of doubts of God's goodness. That's mm-hmm. the message of, of the psalm, as I see the wicked prospering. You know, why have I served you? Why have I sacrificed? Right. Why have I done this? One author I love says, thinking logically to the wrong conclusion. And so in Psalm 73, Asaph says this, he says, when I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was a fool and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal toward you. Yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. Mm. You guide me with your counsel. So we can get in those dark times where uh, we let go of the things that draw us to God. And we can really think very step-by-step to just some awful conclusions and even rationalize some really destructive habits. You know, David did that. In one place, David says, no man careth for my soul. Yes. After all that David had experienced with God, you know, uh, the sweet psalmist of Israel, all the victories he'd won, he got to that lowest place 
where he could have lost it all, but God mercifully intervened for him. So if someone's listening to this podcast right now and you're really in a state of mind where the district doesn't care about me, my brothers and sisters in Christ don't care about me, I'm not even sure I want to keep doing this, what I'm doing is inadequate, those are signs that there is an oppression that God wants you to be free from. So the second point of the sermon is experiencing freedom in Christ for you. And this is where Jesus says that the oppressed shall be set free. Mm. It's been every time I preach this, it's like there's this authority that comes, and it is now. This is not a word for the future. God says now his power is present to set you free and to correct your thinking so that we begin to think of what God can do, what God can provide, a God who can do the impossible, and he begins to dig us out of that hole of oppression. He begins to silence the voice. I warn people in the message, that voice of the enemy can be very loud, very Mm -hmm. deafening. But the Spirit of God, because it's the anointing that breaks the captivity, And Jesus said, I'm anointed by the Spirit. So it's the Spirit that breaks the bondage, if I can say the yoke, of this oppression, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. It has to end now. Enough is enough. Dr. Clonch, you said this, the lie that even David came to believe, no man cares for my soul. We can eventually get to bad habits from there and all sorts of bad stuff is because I think there are people who would be willing to minister to us and spend time with us. Yes. And sometimes we can convince ourselves that no one cares, which is, is what you're saying. When a leader is dealing with oppression or a besetting sin of, of some sort, what do you think, what should be their first call? You know, I think that having someone that you can confide in, someone says, well, go to the Lord in prayer. Well, certainly that is the number one thing. But to be vulnerable and and go to someone and say, you know what, I'm really dealing with some thoughts. I'm dealing with some struggles, thinking about the ministry. Allow someone to minister to you. But the enemy wants to isolate. And that's what you realize. If you're feeling estranged, even from the church, if you're feeling estranged from the, the district or from whoever, your presbyter, is a sign. And therefore, To be able to go to someone that you have trust and confidence in and say, look, I need prayer. So by the scores, people have been coming forward. And I tell them, it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you don't love God. It doesn't mean that you're not called, and it doesn't mean that you're a failure. And another thing I point out in this message is that the enemy oppresses because he sees what God can do through you and what God's about to do. That's right. So he oppresses. It's a pushback of darkness against the potential that he sees, really God is ready to move in freedom and take you to where we're going to talk about in just a minute, the third point. And so Jesus doesn't want us. And because of that, the Spirit is here, even in this podcast, as he is in the services, the Spirit is coming to say to you, I'm here to help you. So I'd find someone to go to. I'd say, Lord, I need help. That change and shift of point of view begins to expose the enemy. So we rise up and say, Enough of that. You vocalized it in a message at one point, too, when you had been going through your own tough season, and um, you talked about sharing some things with Nancy, and Nancy being that voice of reason to your wife, Mm -hmm. saying, the things you're saying are not true. If we can't speak truth to ourselves, we need to keep friends close who can, who can say, hey, you're you're not... What you're saying, I understand you feel it, mm-hmm. yeah. but you should also understand that you can feel things deeply that don't have an ounce of truth. I know. And when I was dealing with uh, that battle of anxiety a few years ago, uh, in my mind, 
I was trying to figure out what was going on, and I came up with all these scenarios, and I'm telling Nancy, you know, this is what's going on. And, and in my mind, it seemed the right, it seemed the right thing, but, but at that moment, my thinking was, was off because mm-hmm. of, of this anxiety issue. And so she was there, and she was wise enough to sometimes just be quiet and listen, and sometimes she'd say, I don't really think it's that, but it's still hard for me to accept that at yes, the time. Yes, yes. Well, Dr. Clonch, let's get into that third point of the message because it was, so, it was so wonderful. The message was the plus ultra God in your future. You pulled that title, the plus ultra God, from a very particular illustration. So as a way of closing, why don't you tell us where you got that from? And I just want to allow you to minister that point because... Where you're going is so important, and it might be good for you to know, friends, if you're listening and you are in a time of oppression, that probably every minister you love, have learned from, and revered have been somewhere like the place you may be right now. And what they went through is in the rearview mirror or is a foundation of their service and testimony toward the goodness of God. So, uh, Dr. Kalanch, what is the plus ultra God? The first point was exposing the oppression of the enemy against you. The second point was experiencing the freedom of Christ for you, and but we're not through yet. The third thing is encountering the plus ultra God in your future. So it wasn't just being free from oppression, but it was to be fully empowered and engaged. So plus ultra comes from the medieval world and the time when they thought the world was flat. Sail off the end of the world, you know, and a monster eats you. Yep. So on the maps of that day, they would put a Latin phrase, non terra plus ultra, which meant nothing beyond. The non, N-O-N, was the negative. When they discovered that there were new worlds, then they struck off the negative and they wrote plus ultra. That's on the motto of uh, Charles I, the king of Spain. Uh, It is on the flag of Spain today. Plus ultra means there's more beyond. Mm. And matter of fact, the special forces of Spain today are called the plus ultra forces. It permeates Spanish society. Mm. So to me, those words became very, very descriptive of the God that we serve. He's the God who is beyond all that we can imagine or think. He is the plus ultra God. The enemy has been trying to say, for your ministry in life, non plus ultra. Mm-hmm. There's nothing beyond. You're you're never going to be able to achieve more. You're never going to dream the dream. You're never going to build the building. You're never going to grow the church. You're never going to be a better preacher. When the spirit of God is coming to say, no, there's plus ultra. Mm. I use the little illustration that uh, children we teach them to color in the lines in a color book. The better they color in the lines, we think the better they're you know they're growing understanding. Mm-hmm. But I just tell you this, God's the God that's not bound by the lines. That's right. He can color outside the lines. So there's a plus ultra God in your future. So what the enemy's been trying to destroy, hinder, and oppose by oppression, God, in freeing you from that, is empowering you to move forward into that which you can't even imagine. I believe in a God who has called us all to great things. And I believe that if we allow him to renew our faith, I pray for those that are listening to this podcast that say, you know what, I've been, honestly, I think I'm beginning to realize I've been living with some oppression. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize why I didn't want to get up and preach. And I didn't want to get up and go to church. And I didn't want to study. I'm beginning to realize that and realize that God is bringing freedom and he is taking you where you could not have gone oppressed, but as a released captive. Isaiah 61, Luke 4, as a release, we're released from sin and the oppression of the devil that we might walk in the fullness of the power of the Spirit 
and might do the great things that I believe God is wanting to do. And let me say to this generation and our preachers, I believe we have the greatest opportunity to do a great work for God. Therefore, the enemy is oppressing as never before. He's always been at it, but he's using new tactics today. But he's defeated. Christ is risen. And now is the moment of deliverance. Well, there you go. Well, friends, thank you for listening today. You heard a synopsis today of the message, and uh, perhaps if you've not gotten to a fall council meeting yet, what we'll do, Dr. Clonch, is we've recorded your message from, I think, a couple of these councils. Yeah. We'll take the best one, and uh, and we'll throw it up here on the podcast just so there will be access Good. to our pastors. So, friends, that is a word from your pastor. I tell you this, we love you. We're grateful for you. Amen. And wherever you are, uh, Dr. Clonch, what do you want them to know in closing? I just want them to know that the best days are yet to come. Because we're walking with a plus ultra God and his word to you today is there's more beyond.